morning. Good to see you all here. Um, from the little uh, promo video you just saw, it's a reminder that Friday we're going to be having a uh, Voice of the Martyrs uh, virtual event here where we're going to have those three men who are committed to the Lord and have been working in foreign countries. They've been arrested, beaten, and imprisoned. And the Lord was faithful to them. Uh, they trusted him. They're back out now, and they're telling their stories of how God was good as they were in almost martyrs, but they were very persecuted. And I'm excited to be able to hear their stories. I hope that you'll be able to come. It'll be Friday evening, this next week. Uh, it's a, if you see on the schedule up there, it's a pretty long thing, 6.30 to 10 o'clock. Fortunately, we've got three different speakers. You can come and listen to one. You can listen to two. You can listen to three. Or leave whenever you feel like you need to leave. We'll have some light refreshments. Um, we're excited to be able to have it and hope you'll join us. Following that, uh, on Sunday, we're going to have uh, our missions conference will continue with a, a little bit more traditional. It's not really traditional because of COVID right now. It'll be videos from four different missionaries talking about their ministry, about the difficulties they're having, particularly with the pandemic, but how God is faithful. And we'll be excited to hear about them. Sunday evening, we typically have small group sessions, Bible study lessons here. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to have three breakout sessions with three of our missionaries by live Zoom videos where we'll have three different rooms. You'll get to choose which missionary you want to go see and uh, spend time listening to them. And then you can ask them your own questions and we'll have that interaction in a live sort of way. So it's a little different this year, uh, but we're excited to see what the Lord's going to do and that uh, the people be encouraged about his work and uh, his workers' faithfulness in the field. Right now we've got um, one missionary we're going to hear a short video from. Dean's going to introduce him. There is a little bit of language issue. He's a little hard to understand. Pay attention. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. Uh, I'm representing uh, Jose Luis Tequila, who is uh, one of our missionaries uh, from Bolivia. He's a Bolivian. He's an Aymara believer. And in Bolivia, there's 27 different language groups or 27 different tribal groups there. And the Aymaras are uh, the second largest. The Quechua are the largest uh, group with over 1.3 million. You'll see the Bolivian flag right here the third one over with the red, white, and blue. You can always remember and pray for Bolivia when you stop at a red light because it's red, yellow, and green. So you do that. And Jose went to India, which is that flag, the fourth flag over right there. So you'll get to know him a little more. Bolivia is a really weird country. It's uh, uh, so different than most countries because it has everything from things that are below sea level all the way up to 20,000 feet. We lived at 14,000 feet up on the Andes Mountains, and that's where the Aymara live, and they've lived there their entire life. And Jose Luis is a, an Aymara believer. He was one of the first uh, missionaries to go from Bolivia to the world, and he uh, served two terms in India. He and another guy named Ho Vargas hooked together 
and they made a training school for missionaries, for Bolivian missionaries in Cochabamba. And uh, Hobe was a, a, a missionary, a Bolivian missionary that went to Bangladesh. And so they got together all of the Bolivian uh, missionaries that are going to the world now. There's hundreds of them now. But they have all been trained by Jose Luis and Hobe Vargas uh, in their uh, missionary training school. So he's a, a wonderful guy. Uh, uh, Bolivia uh, has been, uh, it's weird again because of other things. One thing is because of the height all the way from 20,000 all the way down below sea level. It was also at one time the richest country uh, or, yeah, country uh, in uh, the Western Hemisphere was richer than America was. But because of socialism that moved in, they became the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, at one time, when we were missionaries in the 1980s, the exchange was 5 million uh, pesos bolivianos for $1. So a piece of candy would cost you 100,000 pesos uh, just for a piece of candy. So it's just hard to imagine that it can get that bad. And Jose Luis also um, uh, was a shepherd, a little she a shepherd boy. So you'd go, okay, well, they're not going to have any missionaries from there because he's poor, he doesn't have anything, their country doesn't have anything. Well, that didn't ever stop him because the Lord had called him to be a missionary, so he's gone to be a missionary. And he has been on that trail uh, even through the pandemic and everything, well, he has continued to travel even though it, he's really supposed to be restricted on where he goes. He just goes and tells the Lord, you know, says, well, if you don't want me to go, well, you know, I'll be stopped by the police or something like that. So he just keeps going. So he, he also knows six languages, English, Spanish, Aymara. He knows Quechua also, and then he knows uh, two dialects of uh, uh in India, and he he was a church planner in India and upper in Kashmir, which is close to Pakistan. Uh, when he speaks, uh, you have to pay attention, kind of, because he speaks English, but it's uh, it's English English that he knows uh, more now because of the Indian influence of e England there. But he says one thing. In, in Bolivia, there's a place called the Death Road, Death Road, because more people are killed on that road than any other road in the world. And uh, I've been down that road several times, but it'll increase your prayer life, buddy. I ain't kidding. <laughs> uh, but he has just gone down from 20,000 feet down to the jungles, and he's in the Yungas, and he says, I'm in the Yungas now. That's a tropical area that's all the way down to sea level. So he's there because there are churches that uh, have been formed down there that they've helped, and he is uh, doing Bible institutes down there. So when he says that, he says debt road, I think, because of his pronunciation. We're the ones that's on the debt road. He's on the death road. So uh, you'll enjoy hearing him. Thanks. Hello, my brothers. It has been a long time and very fast also. I am in the Yungas. I had to come, not for fun, but 
because we have to visit some families and churches in this area. So I came through the famous road, uh, Dead Road. You probably heard about it, but nice. Uh, the weather, everything here. It was really a pain in my spirit for me not to be able to return to India last year. But when I realized that the Lord's plan are exact and perfect, a few days after my visa was denied, the borders of our country were closed and the pandemic hurt many lives. Uh, in the month of May, June, I was infected with COVID-19 by attending the brothers of the congregation. Thanks the Lord, it was not serious, but it has left consequences that I am um, still dragging, but recovering little by little. If you notice, I'm skinny, yeah, uh, because of COVID. Anyways, uh, what to do? After this, I practically did not much, just at home. But one day, someone asked me to do a study on pandemics in the world, which was good because it gave me to understand that uh, pandemics were always in the world. And the people learned to live with them. There was the engine to seek an alternative, and virtual classes began, although we were still susceptible uh, because we do not use technology much in our churches. But the young people adapted very quickly, and we still continue to this day. I went out to visit some churches and also helped with some teachings, mobilizing the church to support families in need. This time, uh, we have started a project called Siembra, which means sowing, that with your help and the, um, and the help of local brothers, we make some baskets um, to help to help the neediest families. On the other hand, we continue to serve with a group of doctors from ITEC, buying a large bag of multivitamins to distribute, to distribute the people. Our friends in India have been distributing food to poor families also, but in the end of, they got infected. Thanks to the Lord, it was not serious, and they recovered some. Every week, I talk to them to have a time of conversation and prayer. Um, I am working to sustain myself a bit, but the support you send um, is good help. Um, I do not stop praying to continue serving the Lord in the midst of the least reach of the 1040 window. I know there will be an opportunity to go again. My brothers and sisters, thank you very much for your help here from Bolivia, Jose Luis Taquila. Bye. Well, I hope you got most of that. Do you know how how high fourteen to 20,000 feet is? It's like four miles. No wonder he speaks funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we have one more short video from our missionaries that are in Germany, Buddy and or Cleon, Buddy Rogers and Kathy uh, served there. He's a, a teacher, he's a pastor, 
He works in uh, a number of uh, different places where he teaches, Bible institutes, and um, they've been hit pretty hard by the COVID as well. Let's hear his story now. Hi, everyone. We are Buddy and Kathy Rogers, and we serve in Germany. And we've been in Germany Hi everyone, we are Buddy and Kathy Rogers, and we serve in Germany. Hi everyone, we are Buddy and Kathy Rogers, and we serve in Germany. And we've been in Germany for almost 30 years. You may have heard that there's a pandemic going on. And while you may not have a severe lockdown, we do. There are only a few people can meet in a live service. As we meet in a live service, we're not allowed to sing. We can sing in our hearts. We have to wear masks. We have to keep lists of who comes. And because of these severe restrictions, at the International Baptist Church in Gießen, we record the sermon and place it online for people to hear. My teaching has been online. In fact, it was only a week in October that I could teach in person. Everything else since last February has been online. At both schools and in churches with lay ministries. And we are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to work with electronic media to minister to people. As we look to the future, we don't know what the lockdown will bring. Perhaps it will be loosened by Easter. Perhaps not. As we look to the future, we are getting ready for Easter. In fact, we are following along with Christ as he goes to Jerusalem. He invites us to come along with him. He tells us in Matthew 16 to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Follow me to Jerusalem, where he'll be crucified. Follow me to Jerusalem, where he'll be resurrected. And we follow him to the cross, because that's where we find forgiveness of sins. While he dies, we find life. And as he is resurrected, we're reminded that we have been resurrected from our sin. And we are alive to Christ to live for him. Yes, and I would like to leave you with a verse from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Thank you so much for all of your thoughts and prayers for us. We really appreciate it. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Good morning. Hope you all are doing well. I'm going to read uh, some scripture from 1 Thessalonians. It'll be chapter 5. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 19. All right. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. As I kind of told the first service um, years ago, I believe it was Thad that <clears throat> did a lesson, a sermon on this, this verse, this section, and it really hit home for me personally. Uh, I think at that time I was maybe a senior in high school. And just dealing with the, all right, Lord, what's your will for me? What am I supposed to do? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's right here. The will of God is to rejoice always. It's to pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. So when you leave here today, if you don't know what the will of God is in your life, it's those three things. There's, yes, many more. But we all know that it's these three. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you for uh, the first service. Lord, um, thank you for the message. Thank you that um, we have men like Dr. Hughley who can uh, step up and stand in. Lord, we have many men in the church who are um, just, Lord, they love you. And I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the leadership of the church, their um, obedience and love to you. Father, thank you for the worship service that we had. Thank you for the worship service we're about to have again. Lord, I pray that uh, it would bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be right, would be focused on you. Father, I, again, I just thank you for who you are, and I thank you for who you're not. Thank you that your word is truth and that you've given it to us. It is in your perfect and holy name that I pray. Amen. Great to see you guys. Let's all stand uh, as we worship the Lord together this morning. Um, as Buddy was talking, uh, he invited us to take up our cross, right? And uh, to do more than just uh, sing, basically. And that's the, the theme of this song. Uh, we're we're going to sing. We can sing. That's part of it. But 
the message of this song is that um, the Lord is looking a lot deeper than that, right? He's looking at our hearts when we sing. So, so if there's anything between you and the Lord, if there's something that's hindering your worship this morning, uh, I encourage you. Um, God is no more than a prayer away. Yes. Go to him right now. Confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and be made right so that you can worship corporately with us this morning together. sing together when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You are looking into my heart so I'm coming back to the heart of and it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Sing King of Endless Worth King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. And though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, yes, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus It's all about you
power and love. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. life-giving flow this wonderful power in the blood there is power Together, um, that last song 
says, would you live daily his praises to sing? And certainly um, he is worthy of that. Um, one of the things that Thad's talked about a, a few weeks ago that's important is that we, um, we hear the gospel as followers of Jesus Christ. Even though we're followers of Jesus Christ, it's great to remember and plant our minds on the gospel. Um, when I'm sharing with my children and we're doing Bible studies <clears throat> or leading and whatnot, I'll read these verses to them in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That passage of Scripture, what I always tell my children is, if you don't need a Savior, it means nothing. So what, right? But if you need a Savior, it means everything. Everything. And so the point is, the Scriptures declare that we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that we all need a Savior. And He is that Savior. So this song um, we're about to introduce to you guys is simply called God So Loved. It is, um, the chorus is the gospel, John three sixteen, And so you guys will kind of catch the tune as we sing, but the vision is that we'll be able to sing this as a congregation together in the coming weeks. <clears throat> and so just listen to the words and uh, pray that it would minister to your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes will not perish but they shall have eternal life and I shall hold to the cross and I shall hold to Christ alone for his love has salvaged me and for his love has set me free for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes will not perish but they shall have eternal life I shall wait upon the Lord and I shall wait upon his word and by his grace I am released and by his grace I am redeemed for God so that he gave 
stand back up musical worship chairs here we're going to stand back up we're going to sing a song we know well it says God spoke his love God spoke his love to us as never was heard authored salvation in one final word it was Jesus Jesus is Jesus, Holy One. So God stepped into time, Word became man. He bled redeeming grace, Calvary's land. He is Jesus, Jesus. Here's Jesus, Holy One. The Lamb was spoken, His salvation to us spoken. Come to ransom sinners chosen by Your grace. Now seated with the Father, may You reign on I forever. Exalt your name together in this place. And now before the throne, one speaks for me. Makes intercession, his blood is my plea. He is Jesus. Jesus. He is Jesus. Holy One 
Most of you have probably heard by now that Thad is stricken with COVID and our prayers are for him. And this accounts for a phone call I received on Thursday that I speak this morning. And as always, I'm happy to do so. We pray for our friends who are laid aside with the illness, that God will be merciful and touch them and raise them up and bring them back to be with us soon. As I did in the first service, so now in this one, I so enjoyed the worship team leading us in the songs and singing for us. They were a blessing. Just as I appreciate the office staff and all of the leadership of the church, the elders and deacons, the people who minister in so many ways, cleaning the church and... Uh, I'm now on the cleaning team. One of Julie's uh, responsibilities is to clean a portion of the church, and uh, I come and help her. Uh, I won't tell you what all I do, but uh, it changes from time to time. 
And that way, if you see an, an overlooked spot, you won't be able to blame me for it. <laughs> when called, I was, had been reading in the book of Genesis. And for some reason, providentially so, I began to camp out on Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, not knowing at the time that that might be an important passage for a later message. And so when I was called, I immediately thought of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And of course, it needed much more development to be given forth as a sermon. So you're hearing a message in progress today. Perhaps if I had a little more time, the sermon would have more shine. But nonetheless, we give it forth, believing that it was God's direction that it be so. I'm calling this passage of Scripture and this message today God's promises for our faith father. There's probably more given in the scripture about Abraham's faith than any other one individual. Moreover, in Romans chapter 4, about verse 11, he is called the father of faith. Hence the term faith father. We can learn so much from this man in his spiritual pilgrimage. So listen as I read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, and that was his earlier name, it was changed to Abraham at a later time, meaning father of a multitude, father of nations. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray, shall we? We thank you, Father, for your word. And we pray that by your spirit, you will give spiritual nourishment to us from the scripture. And you'll minister to our hearts in ways that will be helpful and enriching and useful to us as we walk and serve in our earthly pilgrimage. Speak to us one and all alike, and bless our beloved friends in the church, laid aside today because of COVID. We pray that you will attend them, strengthen them, restore them, and return them to us soon. We pray this in the name of our Savior with thanksgiving. Amen. So God's promises to our faith father. Now a few words to get us underway with our message. First of all, who Abraham was. 
Abraham was a citizen of Ur of the Chaldees. The Chaldean nation was a very wicked and idolatrous nation. One of their special gods was the moon god that they worshipped. And so he grew up and came forth from a very idolatrous people, Ur of the Chaldees. He also was the ninth generation person from Noah's son Shem. Hence we refer we sometimes refer to our Jewish friends as, as Semites, Shemites. A ninth generation descendant. And he's called the father of faith. And again, let's learn from his lessons of faith. What did Abraham hear that had such a remarkable impact upon his life? We notice in this passage that he was directed to rise up and go. Now, initially, God spoke to him and the family down in Ur of the Chaldees when Abram was about 70 years old. So he, his brother, father, their wives, went forth and went up to Haran. That was a nation city to the north. And he abode there some five years. Why he waited before going on is probably to be explained by perhaps his father's health or some other reason. But his father died, and after his father Terah died, he proceeded And we see a renewal of emphasis upon go forth to a land that I will show you. Now, I've had some geographical guidance in my life, but I knew where I was going. I knew where I was going when I was directed to go to Alaska as a missionary. I knew where I was going when I was directed to go uh, to uh, come back to Alabama and teach in Southeastern Bible College. But to go, rise up, make preparation for travel, not knowing where you're going, that's a remarkable example of faith. And we should see that as the initial work in his heart. Now, as I've studied this passage and God's promises in the passage, it appears that we have seven great nuggets of truth. Seven. And these are examples of how God gave guidance to Abraham. The first thing God promised is, I will show you. God is saying, I will show you something. And you read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. What a remarkable example of obedience. God may be speaking to some of you today, maybe some of our young people. God may be telling you, I have something for you to do. He doesn't let you know yet. 
I didn't know that much of my life would be spent as a missionary. But I sensed as a teenage young man that God had something for me to do, and I didn't know exactly what. I thought maybe I'd be a military chaplain or something like that. But in time, God specifically let me know where I was to go and what I was to do. And Hebrews 8 emphasizes, like many other passages of Scripture, he went not knowing where he was going. Wow. What a testimony. And what a model. But he's also an example of what I would call the believer's model. And what do we read in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Acknowledge him, look to him, trust in him for guidance, providential guidance. Sometimes we have to make a move in our vocation. Providential guidance. Sometimes we have to make a change or move in our business. Providential guidance. And when God spoke to Matthew at the receipt of custom, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, he said, come, follow me. And he arose immediately to follow. And what a testimony Matthew gives us of rising up leaving the vocation in which he was involved to give all of his time to following the Lord Jesus Christ and being a part of the great program. And there are some select models in history, too, of God's giving, God giving some special guidance and being shown thereafter what would happen. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, we read that God had a ministry to be done. And he says, who will go for us? And I love Isaiah's response. Here am I. Send me. Send me. And we read of Paul or Saul in Acts chapter 9 verse 20. We read in Matthew of people rising up to follow the Lord. And we read in Acts 9.20 that when Saul got the call from God he came forth out of his unbelief into belief and trust and we read and immediately he was preaching Jesus Christ as a son of God. So Abraham gives us an example of rising up to follow God, even though we might not know all of the details to follow. I will show you. God can be trusted to show us the next steps we are to take. Now, there's a second great nugget of truth here, part of God's promises to Abraham. He says, I will make you, make you what? A great nation. Abraham's near descendants included 
Isaac. That wasn't a big nation. Jacob and Jacob's sons. And they were some 70 when they went down to Egypt. Still were not a great nation. The Jews were a work in progress. And in Egypt, they turned into a great, great multitude, multiplied thousands upon thousands of people. And they're still not a great nation. What would God do with a group of people, slaves in Egypt? Where's the nation God said that he would establish? After 400 years, God raised up a liberator. And Moses himself would be a remarkable study to make. He was reluctant. He said, I flunked speech in the University of Egypt. I'm not a good talker, he said. You need to get somebody else. But God persisted with him. And when God begins a work in you, he will prepare you and complete in you what he needs and wants, what he needs to have and what he wants done. And so the liberator, Moses, led those people through all of their journeys for 40 years and all of the opposition they faced. But they're still not in their own land. And they're still not, they're still not their own nation. And then comes the conqueror, Joshua. Joshua was one of Moses' lieutenants, he and Caleb. They were among the spies that went into the land and came back with great, great outlook. We can do it. And God used Joshua as a leader to go in and conquer the peoples in the land and help the nation to be established. God said, I will make you a great nation. And God, who commenced that process, is still working on those people. Now, there's a third nugget of truth in these promises. He said in verse 2, I will bless you. There are all kinds of blessings in Abraham's lifetime. He, for example, became very wealthy. He gained many friends. He gained many victories, and he prospered in the things that he was doing in his lifetime. He had servants, several military victories, and God blessed him with giving him a son, Isaac. And Isaac had sons. Isaac needed a wife, and he was blessed. He thought his heir would be a, his uh, servant, Eliezer. But that was not to be. And, of course, Rebecca enters the story. He sent Eliezer back to his former homeland to find a bride for Isaac. And that's a beautiful story in itself. But in biblical times, he had all kinds of blessings. 
he was going to be blessed through his descendants in the sacred writings we have. The writings of the Old Testament, the writings of the New Testament that have brought untold blessing to multiplied millions of people over the ages. I will bless you, he said. And in later history, he blessed those people, sometimes against great opposition. When they were leaving Egypt, for example, the Egyptian army began to pursue them. And they came upon the Red Sea. What do we do now? The opposition is in sight. I can imagine what might have been going on in the minds of the Egyptian generals. Well, we're going to whip this crowd in just a little while, and we'll go back and have parades in Egypt, and we'll get medals and commendations from the Pharaoh, and we'll be just in good shape. But they couldn't and didn't reckon with God. God had them go through the Red Sea when Moses held up his rod. The waters parted, and the Egyptian army pursued them, coming after them. And you know the story, the sea closed over those Egyptian warriors. Did you know that archaeologists have found excerpts of Egyptian chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea. How did they get there? Just like the biblical record declares. Another example of how history and archaeology affirm the truth of God's Word. Blessings, blessings, blessings. I will bless them. And of course, we think of the time of King David and King Solomon, how the nation rose to prominence. In the book of Psalms, chapter 11, about verse 8, the psalmist was interested in being the apple of God's eye. Now, don't miss what that literally means. It means that the Jewish people were locked in the pupil of God's eye. Imagine that. Lock. I remember when I began to look upon Julie and she began to be locked in the pupil of my eye. And I began to think, Lord, have mercy. It would be so nice to get to know that young lady better than I do. And I prayed for an opportunity for it to happen. And God answered my prayer. And now 20 years later and two kids later, God has blessed me more than I could ever describe. He that finds a wife finds favor from the Lord. And so, blessings in later history. Not only did he say, I will bless you, but notice he says, I will exalt you. Do you know that even the followers of Islam, the second largest religion in the world, revere Abraham? And of course, our Jewish friends do. 
And certainly we in Christianity do. I will exalt you. And Abraham is an exalted individual in our great faith. Founded by descendants of Abraham. Wow. What honors God gave to him. And he is an example of faith. A marvelous example. And many scriptures speak of Abraham's faith. Not only does the scripture speak of his initial faith, but the scriptures speak of what we could call sanctifying faith. When he was promised, for example, that Isaac was coming, he believed God. And that word is, in the Hebrew, a word speaking of continuing faith. Not initial faith, but continuing faith. Like the faith we have in exercise in our sanctification processes. As we grow in the Lord and become more useful to the King. He is honored as a faith example and honored in reference to Isaac's sacrifice. I love the way that passage goes. When he was told to take his only son, did he love his son? Any parents here? Do you love your children? Absolutely. We would die for any of our kids. We love them that much. And God said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac. Go up on this hill and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham started out. And the attendants were wondering, uh, well, uh, where's the sacrificial animal? And Hughley's paraphrase is, well, look, don't you guys worry about that. That's all under control. I and the lad are going and we will return. Talk about faith. He said, we are going to return. I think of another father who gave his son whom he loved. His begotten son, and that word in the original is powerful. It means that there is no other one in all of history like him. He is unique, and there's another like, not another like him, his only begotten son. And the devil thought he'd won a victory when he died. But he didn't know about the backup plan. And the backup plan, in the words of the song, go ahead and bury me. But the day will come when I will rise. And he rose. And it was almost as if Isaac came back from the dead because God provided a ram for the sacrifice. You talk about being exalted. No wonder we call him a faith father. But there's another nugget of truth in this passage of Scripture. I will exalt you. And he says, I will use you. And we talked about the example of faith concerning Isaac. But he believed. Now, he went through some disciplinary times. He thought, for example, that uh, maybe the son would come 
through the plan that uh, his wife came up with. Oh, my goodness. Listen, tell you what, we can, we can get a son. You go in to our servant, Hagar. They were brought up from Egypt, and we can get a son. And they went ahead with the plan, and that wasn't God's plan at all. It wasn't God's plan. God had another plan. God gave him Isaac, and he came to the point of believing and trusting that the Lord would do it. He even thought for a while that Eliezer, his servant, would be his heir. But God said, no, no, one coming from your own body will be your heir. And I'm going to make of you a great nation. And I'm going to use you. And he is a model for others. The Bible teaches in Proverbs 28, 20, that the faithful man God can use. God wants faithfulness. I've taught hundreds, even thousands of students over the years. And I sometimes wonder how God is going to use them. And sometimes I sit and ponder how the Lord has raised up people and sent them forth. I counted one time over 70 nations and preachers all over the country, college and seminary professors, musicians and teachers in Christian day schools and important lay workers in God knows how many churches. It's just remarkable. I remember a young lady, she struggled to make seeds. She struggled to make seeds. By the way, when I started out in college, I, I had some rough times. It took me a while to get a little more able in the learning process. And, of course, God in time let me go to graduate schools and earn further degrees, and I bless his name for it. But back to that young lady. She struggled to make seeds, but she loved the Lord with an intensity. And I knew that with that kind of heart, she'd be used. God wants your heart. Give me your heart. God wants that. I'll use you. Abraham gave his, his heart. And it's a model for others. The faithful person is the one God use now there's a sixth nugget of truth here and I'm moving on I will protect you in the process of being made a nation he needed to be protected now in the process of time Abraham was given many friends for example Abimelech was one of his friends Melchizedek, the ancient priest of God, was one of his friends. And you remember the angel that came down, the two angels that came down to visit him before Sarah would become with child? And of course, you know, there was laughter. But those angels said, it's going to happen. Now listen. We're talking about a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old lady. 
And Sarah said, well, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? The answer isn't given, but the implication was, yes, absolutely, it's going to happen. And when God is on the throne and making things happen, it comes to pass. He can be trusted. And so I will protect you. God took care of him. And he had friends, but he also had enemies. And Israel has had enemies through the years. My goodness. By the way, before I leave, Israel's friends. I believe one of the reasons why we've had a measure of blessing in our country because we were among the first to recognize Israel as a modern nation. And woe be to our country if our leaders get us into a situation where we are not protecting and favoring Israel. God will rain judgment upon our country. The one who blesses you, I'll bless. And the one who curses you, I will curse, the Bible says. Israel certainly had some friends and has friends in the present, but they've had enemies through the years. You think of the Philistines and Goliath. Uh, don't you admire David's faith? He had a little slingshot. I don't know how big it was. And you know, if estimates are correct, Goliath was over nine feet tall. Was he brash when he said, I'll feed you to the animals. I'll get you. And Goliath goes wading out with all of his heavy armor. And David winds up that sling, a practice sling. And he let fly. And it landed in a vulnerable spot. And the giant fell. And the Philistines went to flight. I'll protect you, God said. And through the ages, though they have known much adversity from enemies in the Old Testament, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Romans, after which time they had to leave their homeland. And in the modern age, they came back. And in the meantime, they had all kinds of enemies Enemies who were followers of the Islamic faith. Enemies like Stalin and like Hitler. Mercy. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you, God said. I'll protect you. In preparing this message, I thought of some of the select ways that we might bless Israel. I was reminded that we can Pray for them. I also was reminded that I need to tone up my prayers for the nation of Israel. I have a prayer list that I go through personally. And I have a prayer list that our family goes through. Harley helped me remember to add Israel on that prayer list. We need to pray regularly for Israel. Certainly I've prayed for them before. And we can pray for missionaries in the country. And there are missionaries there. 
and there are people who are helping them. And we can lobby for a pro-Israel position in our governmental system as we have opportunity. Those are some of the select ways we can bless Israel. And I'm told I listen to a program that comes on on Saturday night, Huckabee, and always there's an appeal there for funds and help and food for Israel. I didn't realize it till I began to see the program that 20% of the Israeli people are below the poverty line. And great organizations have arisen to help do something to feed the hungry and to help the people of that nation. And then finally, the seventh nugget of truth in this passage. And in you shall all families of the earth shall be blessed. I call that God's promise, I will extend you. Now remember the Abrahamic covenant. It's described in Genesis 12, 15 and 17. A promise that God made to Abraham that he was going to bless him. And God himself went through the sacrificial animals. And God raised up the institution of circumcision to ratify the covenant. And so God Almighty has said, I'm going to bless you. And there's no nation on earth, and even Antichrist and his armies during the tribulation are going to try to stamp out Israel. But it ain't going to happen. The Abrahamic covenant, I'm going to bless you. He's been extended through the great prophets that have arisen in history. Marvelous men of God that he raised up. Samuel, called when he was a child. Elijah, one of the greatest of the Jewish prophets. Nathan, the counselor to David. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. A name for you, some 16 biblical prophets that wrote things, and of course others like Nathan and Elijah. So God raised up great prophets and he raised up great judges and you read through the book of Judges and you see that the descendants of Abraham included Othniel, who was one of the judges. Deborah, a woman, who was one of the judges. And Gideon, who defeated a great army with 300 followers. Blessed by God. And great kings. David, Solomon, and Hezekiah. I love to read the passages that describe Hezekiah when the Assyrian army had surrounded the nation of Judah 
and we're about to stamp them out of existence. When they got up in the morning, 187,000 Assyrian warriors were dead. What happened? God judged them. I will extend you. And great women in the Bible as well, and they're remarkable, remarkable people. We think, for example, of Deborah, mentioning her again. And don't you love Naomi? You know, she wasn't the best witness she could have been. She told Ruth to go back to Moab. Go back. But Ruth had begun to taste the nectar of God. She said, where you're going, I'm going to. Where you live, I will live, and I will die where you die. I wanted to add Ruth to that uh, testimony of Jewish people, but she was a Moabitess. She wasn't a Jew but truly one of the great women of history. And Esther, who laid her life on the line, she was a Jewess, and God blessed her. She was a descendant of Abraham. Esther, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a Jewess. And what a woman she was, probably a teenager, when she became an expectant mother. And I love great Anna. When the baby Jesus was taken into the temple, a woman who had served God in fasting and prayer for decades, she blessed God. And dear old Simeon, who was there, a servant in the temple, when he saw the little baby boy, he knew he was looking at the Messiah. And the, the Messiah is a descendant of Abraham. You read the Gospel of Matthew, and his ascendancy starts with Abraham. God said, I will, I will extend you. And he did it through great apostles. I will extend you. And we go on seeing that in the Messiah, and we'll mention Flip on to the next uh, screen, if you will, fellas. And uh, the mission he launched, wow, wasn't it something? He took a handful of men, handful of people, and gave them a commission. And he said, look, I want you to take my message to the ends of the earth. They started with the Jewish people. Jewish apostles. But since then, the mission he launched has spread out and touched the lives of untold millions of people through the ages that have taken his message. I taught the history of missions for many years at the college. And it's ever a blessing to me to reflect upon how God raised up ambassadors for Christ in dark ages. And they've taken the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's remarkable. I will extend you. And the church he established, 
He said, I'll build my church in the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the gates of death. Won't swallow my church. And many have tried to stamp out his church. And it's not going to happen until the trump of God sounds and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. And what blessing awaits us in glory land. I remember my mother taking me to church and hearing the songs when I was a little boy. One of them was over in the glory land. Did you ever hear that song? There with the happy host I'll stand, just over in the glory land. Well, how are we going to apply all of this truth about Abraham? Let me suggest a few things. What can I learn to apply from Abraham's testimony? We learn something of the initial faith we exercise. When God disclosed himself to Abraham, he, in effect, exercised salvation faith. Salvation in every age has always been by faith. And so when he got the initial message, he believed. Just like you, if you have believed in Jesus as your Savior, you're saved. And you have a home in heaven awaiting you. Secondly, we can exercise sanctifying faith, which Abraham demonstrated a number of times, and to which many references are given throughout the Scripture. We do well to trust the Lord in our ordinary day-by-day -day existence. Trust the Lord. Have faith in Him. The Bible says without faith, impossible to please God you may be like me and like Abraham sometimes his faith was weak he tried to institute plan B for a descendant and that wasn't God's plan and I'm like that man who said Lord I believe help my unbelief and then another thing that's a blessing to me you don't have to be perfect. Don't miss this. You don't have to be perfect to be used by the Lord. Anyone in, like me that you've committed some sins since you got saved? Yes, I have. And when it happens, you do well. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Abraham told some half-truths. She's my sister. He said that twice. It was a lie. Billy Graham was right when he said, <laughs> anything but the naked truth is a lie. And Abraham told lies. And he was weak in faith. But God had mercy on him. Hey, hang in there. Hang in there, you all. And trust God to use you. And you can be among the implications of Abraham's faith, and you 
all kindreds of the earth will be blessed. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We bless your name for the example of Abraham, a great faith father whose life continues to bear fruit in the present. As we go forth today, strengthen us in our faith life and help us, Lord, to be useful and usable even though imperfect. And while we do not commend imperfection, Lord, we nonetheless want to grow and be useful. Make us a blessing today and in the week ahead and as the Lord Jesus tears in his coming. Amen. God bless you as you go today. Be a blessing like Abraham. Amen.